When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Amused. My name is Sadie. I'm Stani, and thanks for being here. We're just so happy that you're here. It's honestly like the highlight of my week. Every week I get to sit down and talk to Sadie and all of you. I imagine you all there Mm -hmm. about some other interesting topic about women in the arts. I have to tell you this funny story. So Jordan, who is my husband for context for everyone else. So he's been like, oh, I need to be better at, you know, like listening to the episodes. But he like made a comment to me of like, it's hard for me to go back and like know which ones I've listened to and which ones I haven't because a lot of the time you're like telling me about, you know, what you guys talked about and everything. And um, so then he told me, he's like, oh, I listened to the Maria Anna Mozart one. And I think that was one that I just thought I had listened to because you told me so much about her because I realized that I didn't, I hadn't heard the Doja Cat conversation before. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you guys like spend like five minutes talking about Doja Cat. And I was like, what? you know what? It was when we were talking about the American Music Awards, the AMAs. Oh. And I was like, you know, I'm very proud of that, that in this podcast, on the Maria Anna Mozart episode, there might be a five-minute tangent about Doja Cat and have it be connected. Like, I feel pride in that, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of love that. (laughs) I know, but like he caught me off guard when he's like, the Doja Cat conversation. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like... Yeah, like you guys spent a whole like segment talking about the AMAs. And I was like, oh, we did. I remember that now. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like that, that it's like, oh, in our this episode, we go on a tangent about this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) About this weird aspect or random aspect of pop culture. Yeah, you can always expect a nice blend of history and pop culture always that's literally how our brains work so if any new listeners are here wondering what this podcast is about there you go yep there you go that'll tell you what you need to know also by the way I finally listened to her album oh yeah I have been too I finally did after our pop star one it was very good I enjoyed it it's really good yeah I like it a lot also I have to say we did our little bracket I don't think I announced the winner which is super lame of me but it was Billie Eilish, which I was super surprised by yeah. because neither of us were like huge Big fans on it. Everyone but, else must have liked it. Yeah. Out of all the recent album releases, it looks like that one is the top pick. So, I mean, happier I than ever. It. Yeah. Like that almost sounds... kind of makes the entire album. So, yeah, it does. Well, today, what we are talking about, Stani and I were just talking. We were talking about what we were going to talk about. And then I was like, wait, we need to press record. So, to go back, I was just mentioning that we haven't really covered dance, I don't think, except for Louis Fuller, who is, 
who was a dancer. Other than that. Yeah. I mean, Josephine Baker was also a dancer, but she also did like a bunch of other stuff. So the focus wasn't entirely dance either. Oh, Misty Copeland. Ah, we did do Misty Copeland. Yes. And that was ballet. I actually, I really liked that episode. I remember like learning a lot. I want to do some more dancers for sure because obviously it's a major part of the arts it's like a huge industry however it's something that we obviously don't have as much personal experience or ties into and sometimes it's harder to find Mm -hmm. um, a lot of stuff because people who are dancers come up first as like the ones who are also like singers or actresses yeah that's true oh I remember in the Misty Copeland episode when you kind of gave some context of just like the ballet world, I was like, whoa, like I realized how little I knew about it. And then now diving into the topic today, it's like, okay, I'm obviously not giving dance like the appreciation it deserves for like what it means culturally, you know? Agreed. Just doing the research for this, I was like, oh my goodness, I have found like 50 million different rabbit holes that I could go down into. Yeah. So I guess I'll introduce the topic. We're talking about how like dance has been used as like a political tool throughout history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally found this from a Google search. I was typing in something about dance and I don't even remember what I looked up. I was like dance and something and there was like a suggestion you know how the suggestion searches pop up Mm -hmm. and it was literally like how has dance been used as a tool in like a political tool I was like wait a second that is a very interesting thing and there was literally someone's like master's thesis I obviously didn't have time to read it it's from Stanford the School of Public Policy and Duke University And they wrote the political power of dance to preserve or not preserve. And it's literally like a very, very long thesis, like 50 (laughs) pages, 50 pages on like dance as a catalyst for political thought. So just kind of over time, how like dance has been used. And then there's a ton of articles on it, too. Mm -hmm. And like a bunch of stuff just kept coming up. And I was like, holy cow, I didn't even know this was a thing. Like there is a JSTOR article on the power of dance and its social and political uses. Which like, I feel like once started like looking stuff up, I was like, okay, well, duh. You know, like, I feel like this is like something I've known, but never actually like given any thought. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, I completely agree. It's just kind of crazy because it's like, what? Like, I've never thought about how dance and politics were like intrinsically connected throughout the history of our world. And yet, and yet they absolutely are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of the like fun little thing that we get to talk about today. And obviously, like we did not write a master's thesis on this. So I'm sure there's like literally so much that we're going to miss. Mm -hmm. um and not talk about (laughs) so don't be too critical because we had like a couple of hours to research for this so other people have spent their entire lives writing books on the topic (laughs) and like literally just an amateur of in dance and like every aspect of the (laughs) word (laughs) agreed it has made me wish I could have taken like a dance history class or something though like I'm so intrigued because wow it's way more important and it makes sense because like it's kind of one of those art forms that's been around since the be- 
beginning of time as far as we know you know like it's like it's always been a tool for human expression yeah I think also it's like so embedded in people's cultures it's not like only certain cultures use dance like no there is a traditional folk dance for like everyone one yeah Yeah. so it's like it would make sense that like it could be used as a tool yeah but it's something that I don't think we talk about enough like Mm -hmm. even we're gonna get into it later but like the black lives matter movement apparently had a ton of like dancing involved in it and I didn't hear about any of that yeah I just think that this is a really cool thing that I'm like wow I need to spend more time learning about dance and how it's involved in politics (laughs) I know (laughs) this is interesting (laughs) I love this quote from one of the articles where it just says around the world dance has always been a vital act of rebellion tying dance and rebellion my brain wouldn't automatically connect those two you know yeah no I loved it because it kind of made me start thinking about different things that were viewed as like provocative and like dangerous Mm -hmm. all the time and how like a lot of the times the arts are so entwined with like controversy yes like women who were part of like stage tours like as dancers or singers or stuff like that were often considered lesser and like more provocative and yeah um and then like I don't know. I always think of the movie Footloose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a, yeah. Yeah, it's an example. If you haven't watched that recently, but like how a lot of the times religion weaponizes things like dance and music and art and literature, like banned mm-hmm. books and stuff like that. And that could be a whole other topic on how like dance mm-hmm. has been viewed as like a dangerous, provocative thing that you should keep out of your which is like interesting because it's like expressing emotion through your body and the fact that like doing that through your body could be a negative thing. Like I'm sure that's probably why, but it's just, yeah, it's interesting. No, agreed. Um, there is actually, it says that there was a British writer and lawyer named William Prine who condemned dancing as a liberty to wantonness, a friend to wickedness, and a provocation to fleshy lust, a pastime unworthy of all honest persons. Whoa, dude. And then obviously like moral hysteria has often happened with dancing. Um, There was pamphlets called like from the ballroom to hell, the heritage of hell. A guy named Dan Gilbert got mad about the jitterbug. I mean, it's quite... (laughs) <laughs> like horrifying I suppose yeah saying that it was conceived in hell and brought forth by the brothel the dance has established its immoral dominion so it's kind of funny that like dancing has this like a controversial base in history of yeah. like promoting sexual liberty and breaking down social barriers and so people were have always kind of treated dance as like an act of rebellion You know, I was like having a conversation with one of my friends this weekend of like, it's interesting how pleasure is so demonized in religious circles where it's like, if you're doing something really for the sake of it bringing you joy or for you bringing, you know, just for just pure expression, it can like be looked as, as a sin, you know, because it's like on one hand, like sin in like, christian religions like they're vices right like it's something that you're doing that hurts your soul blah 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 but it's like interesting how far that definition of different vices can be spread to it almost turning into like anything that you're doing just for genuine joy or for just to you know just to bring you just pleasure it's so looked down on and i think 
that's kind of why like art, music, dance, like all of those things in super hyper, you know, conservative cultures, like they become looked down on because it's like, oh, if you give yourself to any form of pleasure, like what happens next? No, I love that you brought it up because it's such a weird thought as well, considering how many times the scriptures like bring up dancing and that it's like a part of like holy worship and that like art and music are so entwined with religion like how many paintings there are of like Jesus and Mary and like singing hymns and church and choirs and stuff like it doesn't make sense to me that like it's treated by a lot of also um, just like the variety of Christian religions that do like actively use like music in their worship services like exactly and dance even like it's not it anyway it's religion has no reason to outlaw dance because it goes intrinsically with it from like the beginning of time and yet so often it is like treated as something it's like how dare you but I think it's like comes like back to like this like almost like fear of one's body that can kind of sometimes be an attitude and certain I don't know environments or religions so it's like anything that you're doing strictly with your body is like a form of expression it's just like automatically just like nope we're not touching that that's dangerous and it's yeah just- <laughs> no very interesting but yeah I think that one of the coolest things that we found out through all of this is that like a lot of the times when you hear of like rebellions and acts of protest like art I think comes up like visual art a lot yeah. um mm-hmm. like murals and everything and I think even songs like there was a lot of songs that came out that get very popular but um like I was talking about before I think dance is kind of like a very slept on aspect of rebellion that's used even Mm -hmm. though I think it's been around the longest yeah I I could be wrong but I like from what we found I think it's kind of one of the longest forms of rebellion that's been used I can see that I think so so just kind of interesting and it's been used in so many different ways that's what's crazy is like just how many different ways it's been used a coolest like quote I want to bring up so there is a choreographer by the name of Isadora Duncan and um I'm gonna do a whole episode on her one day because I've so briefly read about her just because it tied her specifically to just her choreography during like World War One and like through the Cold War and kind of There's like a certain, I think, documentary called Politics and the Dancing Body, and it explores how American choreographers between World War I through the Cold War realized kind of like this vision of America and like their opinions really on America through the dance. So Isadora Duncan, she had a, her favorite poet was Walt Whitman, and there is a quote of him where I hear America singing. And she kind of spinned it to, like, I see America dancing. And here's this quote that comes from her book called The Art of Dance that just kind of talks about, like, how she kind of, like, saw, like, dancing as, like, a potential tool almost to, like, creating this, like, idealized, like, version of America 
or like of what she hoped America could one day be. And it's kind of long, so bear with me, but I feel like it's worth it. But it says, in one of his moments of prophetic love for America, Walt Whitman said, I hear America singing, and I can imagine the mighty song that Walt heard from the surge of the Pacific over the plains, the voices rising from the vast choral of children, youths, men, and women singing democracy. When I read this poem of Whitman's, I too had a vision, the vision of America dancing, a dance that would be the worthy expression of the song Walt heard when he heard America singing. The music would have a rhythm as great as the undulation, the sing or curves of the Rocky Mountains. It would have nothing to do with the sensual tilting of the jazz rhythm. It would be the vibration of the American soul striving upward through labor to harmonious life. No more would this dance that I visioned have any vestige of the foxtrot or the Charleston. Rather, it would be the living leap of the child springing toward the heights, toward its future accomplishment, towards a new great vision of the life that would express America. It has often caused me to smile, but somewhat bitterly, when people have called my dancing Greek. For I count its origin in the stories which my Irish grandmother often told us of crossing the plains with grandfather in 49 in a covered wagon. I often wonder where is the American composer who will hear Walt's American singing and who will compose the true music of the American dance. I pray you, young American composer, create the music for the dance that shall express the America of Walt Whitman, the America of Abraham Lincoln. Wow. So I thought that was like cool of just kind of like... Like I said, like it's what I take from like what she was saying was like almost like her speaking and like longing for like this like idealized version of like what America could be and like should be. Mm-hmm. And then it's like more like you said, like it's not the Charleston. It's not even just jazz music. Like there's something like more to it. At least yeah. that she would hope for. And it's like, so who's going to be the composer? Like who's going to be the one who is going to create this song that Walt Whitman was referring to and kind of like this dance that she's imagining for it too. So I love like I said, that. like she's an example of like, I, I don't want to, I didn't read a ton into her specifics just because I was like so many rabbit holes, you know, like, <laughs> like, we're going to save this for another day. Yeah. Um, but I do know that she did use her choreography to kind of like celebrate Amo- American culture in some ways, but also kind of like, be a voice of social protest during different times in American history that I think like I ended up getting that. her like kind of like blacklisted from America. Like at yeah. one point she left America and never came back. So oh my gosh. Just interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I especially love that because if you think like we were talking about how every culture and society kind of has like a cultural dance. Mm-hmm. I feel like America, a lot of the times we don't have, well, specifically the United States. I've realized how ignorant it is to say America when we're referring to our country because (laughs) we're not the entire continent anyway. But like um, the United States, we don't really have like as much of a culture because we're such a melting pot of like different things. Yeah, which is something we hear a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea of like having something that would like unify the entire and it like culture of America in that way and it like of course you know like goes on beyond like an actual physical dance but more of like a what's actually something that can like unite everyone and like actually (laughs) like yeah but like you know like what is this idealized version of America and how can it truly be realized for everyone yeah no I love that like what would actually make it like a united states rather than like how separate and everything and yeah we are. like with socioeconomic status and everything yeah, yeah anyway exactly. <laughs> that's anyway. a whole other <laughs> yeah. 
But no, um, the next thing I found found was like a BBC article and it was titled like the most dangerous dances in history. Oh yeah. And it's talking about how like dance is still seen as this like controversial, even like outlawed thing. Like I think a lot mm-hmm. of the times we don't understand in our little TikTok society that we live in, <laughs> that like there are literally people being arrested for dancing. There was a 18 year old in Iran and her name is Made Hajabri. And she took a video and posted on Instagram of her dancing along to some Persian and Western pop tunes. And then she was arrested for breaching Iranian government laws that prohibit females from dancing in public or appearing without a headscarf, even though she was in her room dancing, but because she filmed it and put it it out on the internet. Yeah. Dancing in public. And then she appeared on the Iranian state TV making like a statement saying it was not done for the purpose of attracting attention. I did not have any intention to encourage others. And it kind of spurred this like movement um, with a lot of people getting really mad about how she was treated and arrested for such a simple act. A lot of people condemned uh, her treatment um, religious commenters, including Muhammad Taki Fazel Maybadi, argued which one's a great sin, dancing or stealing of public resources, obviously, like, mm, throwing shade yeah. at the government. Um, there was, like, a huge movement of massive online solidarity of hundreds of Iranian women posting videos of themselves dancing in order to support her. And wow. there was even a ta- Tyran, probably saying that wrong. I think that's what it is. Tyran-based photographer, Rayhan Traviata, who herself had been arrested in 2014 for dancing to a Pharrell mm-hmm. Williams hit. And oh. she said, you arrested me for being hashtag happy when I was 23. How you arrest Made Hajarbi and she's only eight, 18. What will you do with the next generation? Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people have called out this whole thing saying that it's not just simple dancing, it's an act of protest and how like dancing has played a part in a lot of those vital battles that are fought around the globe and how it continues to be a way for people to kind of express their outrage with things that are happening. And also just like make a point, right? I mean, it doesn't even sound like that girl originally did it to make a point and so it's just like crazy how she's an 18 year old girl she's dancing in her room she filmed herself just like millions of teenagers do every single day across the world it's on your tiktok for you page like she wasn't trying to start a political revolution but because of the way she was treated like yeah how it's like almost like automatically which I think like shows just like how powerful like dance can be that it's like, mm-hmm. and it, it just, you know, it, it made a point to point out injustice. So yeah, no, I mean, agree. She, it didn't even make a point to, it just exposed it. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to try, like it was just there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it exposed those moments that still happen in today's world of mm-hmm. complete injustice and misogyny. I also like this where protests occur like almost as a rule there will be trucks with sound systems and a crowd of dancing people following them there will be samba bands or drum bands such as rhythm of resistance there will be radical cheerleaders of whatever gender exercising and waving their pom-poms perhaps there will be soldiers of insurgent rebel clowns army marching and pantomiming in other words there is also sorts of performative pomp and circumstances involved in today's political protest But of course, this is like always been a case, which like I guess it like makes any march, any 
riot of any kind like that you even just see on tv there's music there like it is a gathering of people and like I think no matter what like you can always count on that of like uniting people and you know whenever they're if they're already there for a united cause like I don't know I just thought that was Ooh, I just had a cool thought I thought about how like political marches are such like a beautiful collaboration and unification of the arts because you have like their signs that they've decorated with the words that they wrote and then they're dancing in the streets and singing and marching like Mm -hmm. how beautiful is that that they're able to use like so many different art forms in conjunction with each other to express themselves like that's just exactly what like the arts are all about in my opinion like it's yeah those tools to say something totally also bringing up jordan again he's been bringing me endlessly to do something about politics or to highlight a woman in politics so I think he'll be happy with the takeaway of also, and I I will add this just for him of politics in and itself is also an art, which he is <laughs> strongly been pushing <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. Not, not only is the things happening at the March arts, the fact that it's political in nature is mm-hmm. also in a way a part of the arts. this next little segment that we're moving into is going to be talking about like a ton of different dances yeah and like their histories and like how they've been used um as like political expression so yeah really cool and there i'm sure there's tons that we're gonna miss but yes here are a couple that we found first one is one billion rising which is an organization they are created to protest violence sexual abuse against women Now, what they did for like a form of like a global protest is on Valentine's Day, I believe it was in 2013, they like put out a YouTube video that showed and taught people the dance. And then in different parts of the world, you could watch this flash mob, right, of people doing this dance kind of bringing attention to this organization one billion rising and then of course like what they were standing for which is violence against women there is a quote that i got from the one billion rising website about this and i really loved it it said dancing insists we take up space and though it has no set direction we go there together dance is dangerous joyous sexual holy disruptive and contagious and it breaks the rules it can happen anywhere at any time with anyone and everyone and it's free dance joins us and pushes us to go further and that is why it's at the center of one billion rising i love that and i also like the point of like it's free it's like sometimes it can be difficult to like just accessibility right with the arts and like obviously i'm like the dance world has you know different expenses different expenses and like i'm sure you know different things as far as like prestigious schools and whatnot but like as its own art form you don't need anything you just need your body right and it's like there's no rules like you can do it alone you can do it with everyone it can happen anywhere it's like you know the typical cliche in like a chick flick where it's like dance with me but there's no music who cares (laughs) right like that sentiment like is everywhere and like for a reason is because it truly is an art form that doesn't actually require anything else but like you and yourself and I feel like that's what makes it such a vulnerable art form yeah Um, random thing sorry I'm going on so many random tangents oh you're fine last weekend sometimes I sing with an acapella group we were invited to 
sing in this dance contemporary dance company's show here in Salt Lake City. Basically, it was it was a cool show. It was really unique. And for one of the portions, we were singing a little set of songs that they did choreography to, and it was really awesome. But at the end of the rehe- at the end of the rehearsal, kind of like when my segment was done, I watched just their final number, and like it was really cool because it was like a cool contemporary dance that was like inspired by earlier 1900s like the 30s and 40s things like that so there was a lot of like typical like Charleston moves and like things like that but it was also like contemporary dance and what I loved so much it was like I just like felt just like joy right and it was like at the end of it I just like had the biggest grin on my face because like like she said like dancing is contagious and I think the energy that you can feel from a dancer who is actually just dancing to express emotion, which like I felt like these dancers were like, I know this was one of their first shows back, you know, since the pandemic. And I talked to the director and I was like, oh my gosh, like I loved watching it because it just like brought me joy. And she kind of made a comment of like, yeah, you know, a lot of times with like contemporary dance, like sometimes it's like easy for us to kind of focus on like more sadder and maybe like more, more serious messaging but she's like but for this like I just wanted it to be like a happy celebration and like that's what it was and like that's what it felt and I think like I kind of realized that this is an art form that I don't always like like kind of talked about at the beginning like I don't always give it the credit it deserved as like something that can just be so moving just to watch and like kind of you know watch someone perform and so I don't know no, That's I love that. Personal experience just this last weekend that I like literally just remembered in this moment, like reading about how it's contagious. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like just watching these people like be joyful when they were dancing, like it just yeah, it just brought me so much joy. Like it truly was contagious. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That makes me want to go watch some dance performances. I, I know. Like I want to so go long. to all of their performances now because it was yeah. so good. That's so cool. Awesome. Anyways, though. Yeah, you're good. We got more <laughs> politics to talk about. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So this week, I am spotlighting someone that I actually found via the hashtag women artists on Instagram. I've been spending a lot of time just like on our more than a music account, scrolling through that hashtag and like finding if you can believe it so many amazing women artists so this is one of the ones I found and her name is Elisa Mystica or at least that's her Instagram name but it's Elisa E-L-I-S-A-M-Y-S-T-I-C-A so she is a divine feminine artist um, and she creates art for beautiful and strong women and then in parentheses she says yep that's you which you know what I can appreciate there's this one specific painting that she has created of like the divine feminine type thing and she actually did stickers for them that you can like get on your Etsy shop and they're I want to say cute but like I don't mean that like in any negative sense at all like they're very beautiful and if you go on her Etsy shop there's just so many amazing art that like all kind of goes back to just like divine feminine and just like embracing like you know femininity and um like you can get she has her artwork on journals um on stickers on greeting cards like 
there's so many different ways that you can receive her art. And I just think that's really cool. Even like beyond just like getting a print. So it's really cute. I like want to get the, it's the angel goddess sticker. Yeah. It's so cute. And like, I want to get one for my laptop. How cool. Oh, this is awesome. I know. Right. Yeah. It's really cool. Really unique. I like, she has such like a cool, distinct style. So Mm -hmm. would recommend checking her out. And like I said, there's like a lot of just like cool ways to consume her art, whether that's buying a journal, greeting cards, stickers, like all kinds of things. So check it out. Okay. I found a a dancer on TikTok. Um, She does have an Instagram, but once again, not super active on it. Um, Plus her TikTok username is awesome. So her name is Trinity. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, actually. It's C-I-T-T-E. Titty? That sounds right. But she (laughs) has a bunch of dances, which I'm assuming are just in her basement, but she wears like a hoodie over her head and like sweatpants and then does like all these like elaborate like flips and jumps and everything it's kind of insane and her tiktok username is literally cool female oh nice yeah like how awesome to have that i feel like that would be hard to get no numbers or anything just like cool female yeah she must have like gotten that right at the beginning i know but yeah i just suggest watching a lot of those they're super impressive it like blows my mind the stuff that she does um and then yeah her instagram username is just trinity city but i think she's just in high school wow which is incredibly impressive and she has 555,000 followers so wow she has like a lot that have like millions of views so I'm i like, know what the yeah How it's I, like, like i'm shocked she's never showed up on my for you page before it's impressive. And Wait, she, what the? I'm like watching them and she's like <laughs> flipping on one leg. Like it's nothing. Yeah. She's also, I think she gave herself this nickname. I don't think she actually is from Russia, but you know, like the rah, rah, Rasputin kicks where you're like yeah. on the ground. <laughs> so um, she has like in her bio, the Russian queen, cause she's done that so many times and like can do it to a level that feels inhumanly possible. <laughs> Is she like a trained dancer or is she just like good at she gotta be. I'm like she has I, mean, to like, have taken... I don't mean that to like belittle it. Like I'm just like so like amazed at like <laughs> these flips she's just doing in her basement. Yeah. No, she has to have like probably acrobatics, tumbling, yeah. and dance. I don't think that you can just like no offense to anyone out there, but I don't think you can just like wake up one day and go do this. Yeah, um, fair point. <laughs> but it's just so impressive and it's like not basic tiktok dancing not that i have anything against basic tiktok dances it's just like a whole other level of like people dancing in their basement also (laughs) like she's so like funny just like i feel like the movements are so exaggerated like in a way that's just like this is like hilarious like yeah i don't know i feel like you can't do the rasputin dance that passionately and like not be a hilarious person (laughs) exactly (laughs) and the way her legs bend i just don't understand yeah it's incredible. so yeah like on a couple of her videos it literally says the actions in this video could result in serious injury or adverse health effects and I feel like that sums up what she's doing <laughs> so like, anyway yeah. unless you I don't know her like a classically trained dancer because she has to be I don't understand I mean, yeah she has to be I don't yeah. know how else anyway so that's really cool all right now back to the show 
just speaking of like a dance that's been around forever and um, was brought up a lot in a lot of articles, it's a Southern African dance called the Toyi Toyi. That's how you say it. Um, it originated from Zimbabwean freedom riders and then was kind of expanded even further. Um, but there's like stomping moves and call and response chants throughout the whole thing. Um, a Cape Town Magazine article actually said, you can take everything away from South Africa, but you can't stop us from dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like this huge thing that they use as a part of like a ton of stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have a military wing, Soweto People Forum Revolutionary Army. And then they also have like a whole military wing, the abbreviations MK. And then it's also been used a lot in political protests. But like someone described it, a journalist, Lisa Nevitt, she said the toy toy is quite a marvel to watch. Throngs of people charge forward, stomping and chanting political slogans. Such energy struck fear into the hearts of the armed forces who tried to contain them. But Toy Toy was also a distraction from fear during the marches because people knew that later, once the crowds dispersed, they would suffer harassment at the hands of the police. So I love that. because Unifying. Thing. Yes. Like it was a way for them to kind of get rid of their fear and like join together and embrace like the moment of what they were fighting for until like Mm -hmm. things got really really serious again um which of course they always are but I think that's really cool that they were able to do that also there's like okay so have you ever heard of the phrase like it's a cakewalk yeah like oh it's easy and apparently cakewalks have a super dark history (laughs) that I did not no, um, they originate from the plantation era and cakewalks oh. were like, so there was like a couple of contrasting opinions on what exactly it was, but from like what I got the gist of is that it was like, it was these dances of enslaved African Americans at the time and they were put on to like entertain plantation owners mm. and they would like dress up really nice and then they had to like do dances and people that like won or whatever that the like that they liked they'd give them cakes as like a prize like the plantation owners would give them a cake but apparently even that's super dark to think about a lot of the times the slaves would use it as a way to like mock the plantation owners without them knowing someone said that like they they didn't realize that they could dance and so they'd be in like awe of like them dancing like these exaggerated minuets and waltzes but they in reality they were like, like yeah they were like yeah they were treating it as like a parody of mm. what the European aristocracy and everything that these plantation owners came from and so it was a way for them to like safely protest the authority that they were under instead of having to like openly challenge the authority and risk their lives it was a way for them to kind of like under the radar like mock the slave holding white people that they were dancing for so interesting I mean like horrible but like I've like never heard of this yeah I know there was like so much more on it that I was like whoa wait apparently in 1981 there was an article by Brooke Baldwin that said that the cakewalk was meant to satirize on the competing culture of supposedly superior whites 
slaveholders were able to dismiss its threat in their minds by considering it as a simple performance which existed for their own pleasure so it's like Mm. the slaveholders were able to write it off as like oh they're just dancing to entertain us and da 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 but like the enslaved African Americans were able to kind of continue it as a way to protest what they were going through so I just thought that was super interesting and also obviously dark (laughs) and I don't know why like I remember going to Halloween parties and they'd have things called like cakewalks and you'd walk in a circle until the music stops gonna say like that's um okay like why is this continuing does anyone know what this means (laughs) like what okay anyway so that's dark and informative on a different note, <laughs> Louis the 14th apparently was very well known for using dance as like a political tool to ensure his absolute authority, which okay. is very interesting. I wasn't able to dive like completely into this one, but um, he used like his French court as a way to express like elegance and civil behavior and then emulate like other courts. And they taught them like a dance techniques and rules of social etiquette and had these like stringent social standards. And so they like began teaching children like etiquette and dance and deportment from like really, really, really young ages. And this created a way like a expectation of children from like early as age of 10 to behave like adults. There was like a instruction manual called the dancing master that said that good breeding demands that pleasing and easy manner which can only be gained by dancing he used dancing as a way for them to like express their nobility and gentry and become like self-perfected interesting which is interesting so, like, makes it just dance on it you know yeah so they like viewed dance as a way to become superior which is really intriguing. Um, apparently during the reign of Louis the 14th, they had balls every single week. And <laughs> during wars in foreign countries, the expense that like, so they were losing money from all these wars and they would hold more balls in order to maintain the appearance of grandeur and power. Wow. So in 1708, it's recorded that 10 balls were given within a six-week period, and they, like, demanded that these, like, everyone who performed at the dance, the courtiers and everything, were to perform, like, these graceful and elegant dances in order to prove their intellect. It said at any given time, a courtier had to have approximately 12 dances at the ready, both in mind and body. Each dance was two or three minutes in length without repeating step patterns. And it was a way to express, like, their sophisticated society. So I thought that was kind of an interesting take on dance as well. Not really as rebellion, but a way to, like, express superiority and almost control. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, shows, though, like, the power of it, you know, that, Mm -hmm. like, obviously he sensed and, like, understood. Yeah, exactly. And then this is interesting. Sorry if I'm talking for too long. (laughs) Apparently, dance was also used in, like, the communist movement and in the socialist movement. So there was a Jewish New Yorker, Edith Siegel, who studied with modern dance pioneer Martha Graham. And she founded a company called the Red Dancers in 1928. And they created works about racial unity, which sounds good. But then they were also dancing in memory of Lenin at communist party meetings and like using it as a form of like revolution for the communist movement, which is why they're called the Red Dancers. 
So that was consistent. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then um, this is a ballet I heard about um, that started in Russia, which was the funniest article I've ever read. (laughs) I'm like floored that this was even allowed. But anyway, so there is a ballet that was written, started and everything in Russia called the Red Poppy. Okay. And it is basically, it's totally plagiarism. Like there's no other way to look at it. Not plagiarism, propaganda. That's what I mean. It's totally propaganda because what they're doing is they basically created this story about like China and how they're flawed as people and everything else. And like, they're addicted to opium and everything else. And then the Russians come in and enlighten them and save them. And that's like the plot of the ballet. So like propaganda mixed with a little bit of racism. Cool. Yep. And they even have to add to the racism. They had like their star soloist in yellow face, which we don't Mm -hmm. know what that means. She's like appearing as an Asian person when she's not which is big no no and totally adds to we talked about how russia continues to perform in blackface today oh yeah so, we didn't talk about that yeah they have a long-standing history of this apparently but um they like premiered this ballet all over the world um and it was used as this like a diplomatic tool for how other countries would view them so they could view them as like the saviors and everything of china which was funny because they were actually in like an alliance with china at the time and um they even had like chinese diplomats that came to visit and they were like oh like come watch our ballet it's all about you and they had been warned by other chinese diplomats that had visited not to see it because mm-hmm. of how insulting it was to their country because first off like poppy flowers represent opium and the opium wars is like one of the darkest and humility humiliating episodes of china's history like they're very very ashamed and resentful of the opium wars and everything that happened and then there was like a hairstyle in the ballet that is like um a huge no-no and it's been banned in china because it represents like a something that was forced upon them so there's like a long braided pigtail was a symbol of subjugation so they were forced by a manchu conquerors during the 17th century to wear that hairstyle mm-hmm. and so it's like banned in china because it's seen as another thing that they were like forced upon them and then also uh the main like chinese protagonist and the thing besides being played by a white person her occupation is also a dancer which to Chinese communists represents prostitution. (laughs) So like the main character that's Chinese in this ballet that represents China is considered a prostitute by their culture. So they were obviously very offended. They literally just like tried, like I feel like in every way they could have maybe gotten it right. They just completely got it wrong. They chose offense. Like, yes, they, they chose the wrong. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so weird too that it's like were they that ignorant or were they trying to piss them off you know what I mean (laughs) I think somehow both either way it's sad (laughs) but anyway I'm moving on to like happier forms of dance protest cool um there is like a whole JSTOR article on JSTOR article on this um the New York New Dance Group okay um was like a period of dance protest against the great depression 
which is super interesting. Um, And they often had the phrase dance as a weapon in the revolutionary class struggle. And so they created dances and everything um, in dance protest to expose harsh realities of society and the devastating social repercussions with the Mm -hmm. stock market crash in 1929. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of using it to show how messed up like the economy and everything was and how everyone was suffering and a way to protest that. So they like pulled in students from multiple different dance schools. They would recruit non-dancing working class people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave like technique classes to amateur students in order to help them learn the dances and everything as a way to like protest. Mm -hmm. And then after they had these dance classes, they would sit down and have political discussions which is super cool as well. And they loved to draw people from every industry, office, and diversity of backgrounds and talents and everything and gather in like union halls, social gatherings, and on the picket lines as well. So it looks like it was a huge movement and very cool that that happened. And then kind of moving into modern era, LGBTQ plus activists have often thrown what they call queer dance parties in order to like promote freedom of like love and expression um they actually (laughs) held one Uh, they had a queer dance party in vice president mike pence's neighborhood um really (laughs) yeah they like gathered outside his house and just blasted music and danced just like hey that's like a more peaceful form of protest than a lot of things (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) yeah I like how did I not know about like that's I don't know yeah I never heard about it either but I thought that was really funny and it happened in multiple different places they did one in Columbus Ohio when he visited and then they had another one in Washington DC as well so that's really funny um stop the traffic in 2012 um some girls in the windows of Amsterdam's red light district did like a protest dance and everything for anti-slavery organization with the mm. phrase like people shouldn't be bought and sold. So protesting sure. like, yeah, trafficking. Oh, like stop the traffic, stop the trafficking. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in like the red light district, which is even funnier because then it like ties in to trafficking. Traffic. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, at the very least, we can appreciate the tie-ins the tie-ins here (laughs) yeah so I thought that was really cool um there's a Greek choreographer Patricia Apergi who is doing a bunch of dancing with the refugee crisis um and said that like everybody moves and everybody walks so it's easier to emphasize with the physical sensation of migration through dance than in a lot of other ways I thought that was really cool yeah that is cool there's a ton of like folk dances that happen as well there's a Palestinian Dabke folk dance um that's often performed at protests where they are in a line holding hands there's also been political protests at the Rio carnivals which Hmm. is interesting too, because I don't think you ever hear about that. There is Dancers Citoyens that's led by a choreographer and they do a bunch of works. Um, There's one called I Will Dance Despite Everything. And he's even said dance is our form of resistance against social and religious dogmatism. Mm, Cool. And then the last historical one that I have is Mamba Negra in Sao Paulo. And clubs in Sao Paulo used to be extremely elitist. And if you were a Black person, you couldn't enter the club. 
Um, and so it created like this dancing counterculture where younger groups of people would gather in like abandoned places and dead zones. And they called the parties Mamba Negra. And it was just small groups of people. And now it's thousands of people. And it's like this counterculture in mm. Sao Paulo where they like gather together in these areas and dance because they weren't allowed in the clubs. Oh, this one's cool. Danza Organica was Marsha mm-hmm. Perilla. She created like dancing as protest actions around women's rights in Boston mm-hmm. in 2014. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. And then obviously like the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, there was like a whole lineup. So yeah, let's talk about how in more recent obviously last year if you were paying attention literally at all to 2020 which I didn't like really think about in the face of everything I wasn't really thinking like considering like huh I wonder how the arts and dance is seem like yeah. helping this movement you know it didn't seem like the right thoughts at the right time but it is interesting now in retrospect to like see how they how it played a part so May 31st which is six days after the murder of George Floyd that Joardis Ratty, is that her name? Who was the co-creator of Crumping, danced a solo in front of a line, a line of armed policemen in Beverly Hills, California, with a group of demonstrators some distance behind him. It was featured in a newspaper and there were online videos. He explained, our dance crump is our way of coping. It's our way of creating and fighting back. How else do we cry out to the grotesque? How do I show her for it to still be peaceful? And I just kind of think that's a cool sentiment of like, if, if that's something that he's always, you know, that's always been used as the form of expression, like, of course, that would be in situations of like deep hurt, like it would also be used. Also on May 31st in New Jersey, protesters performed the Cupid Shuffle, which is just kind Love of funny that. to me because like, like the Cupid Shuffle, okay, <laughs> which is a popular line dance. And the words on one demonstrator's poster read, let justice flow like a river, which is I don't know. It's just like cool because it's like it's such a simple thing that like literally everyone knows. Like I said, it's like a weird way of like unifying people who are already there for like the same purpose. Yeah. Um, June 2nd at a downtown L.A. demonstration, protesters move in unison and break out solos to again the Cupid Shuffle. June 7th, an enormous gathering performed a dance for George in Harlem, New York, along 125th Street and Lexington Avenue. Again, dancing the Cupid Shuffle to remind everyone of the culture that has kept the world thriving and to honor George Floyd explained, of course, which was explained by one of the organizers. And then in downtown Manhattan, a cohort of dancing demonstrators celebrated Juneteenth in front of City Hall and demanded police accountability for refusing medical care to, to people in custody. And then throughout August, there was street dance activism, which was a project spearheaded by Dr. Shmel Bell, Ella Grimes, Michelle Taboo, Shariah Gooley, Shalom Cook, Dr. Dominique Hill, and Bernard Brown partnered with Lula Washington Dance Theater and a bunch of other ones. Basically, they created an entire month of virtual movement music and meditative events in order to quotes, raise vibrations as a global collective and dance to embody black liberation, um, which was according to the website. And this initiative was timed to align with Black August as well as the 2020 Black National Convention and the virtual March on Washington. So it's like so many examples of kind of like, I think more recently, that's like the biggest form of like public outcry and protest that, you know, I've at least seen in more recent years. And so like the fact that it's like dance was a huge part of those things too you know like it's 
it's not going away. Like it's still a very huge part of like just people protesting and speaking out. Yeah. And like I said at the beginning, I think there's probably millions more um, through every country and culture and time period and movement in society. Like there has been moments where dance has been their form of protest and joining together and Mm -hmm. like unity and everything. Like how cool is it that there's something that they could do together to feel like unified in their movement and like in their cause. And I just think that that's really incredible and such like an amazing expression of like culture and society that like, you know, they were all gathering together to dance like the Cupid shuffle and it meant something, you know, like it was, yeah, it, it's just really cool. I don't know why it's like messing with my brain that like the same thing I did at middle school dances was like could theoretically be like used as a form of political protest. And I think it just shows like in ways like pop culture isn't always just a trivial silly thing you know because in one in certain ways it can like unite us and and because like we're all kind of like united in like these like common dances or songs or you know what I mean like it I don't know it's just like one of the things that like connects us is like humans and then like you know when we're all speaking out for a cause then it's like we can use that too I don't know I feel like that sounded a little like um idealist I guess but like like you know (laughs) yeah no I just think it's incredible and yeah I just wow it makes me (laughs) want to go learn about like every culture's form of dance and movement now because it has like this rich history that I feel like we don't talk about enough and and like I know we scratched the surface like yeah just barely there's so much deeper we could take all of this it also like helped me view dance as something other than like a high art yeah uh-huh because I think one of the things I've always thought about dance is I haven't really ever considered like the cupid shuffle or like country line dancing or anything an like art. that in the same realm as like ballet ballet or contemporary or modern dance you know and it's like interesting to think about it in this way because then it makes you think about the fact that it's really all just in the same and it's all art I agree yeah yeah that's a good point because art is really just like creating something in order to express something yeah like that's what it is I mean it's like my same normal rants that I go on with like pop cold like pop music like it's not worse music because everyone can sing it and sing along and everyone knows it and therefore it's not less of an art because everybody can pick up the dance and a couple things in fact like there's something like really unique and like beautiful about that as far as like we've seen like literally what people could do with something like that yeah I think there's a quote I read I might have even quoted it before I can't remember it exactly but it's like it's easy to create art that one person will like but like how much harder is it to create art that everyone can appreciate and like yeah and like the same could be said for dancing like how much harder is it to create something that like everyone can do and like Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with like showing your superiority and skill and talent but more to do with like joining together in a group of people to like express something all together and be unified like, and like that's even if powerful. certain dances were used at protests, but like it's also worthy if literally the purpose is like just to have fun, right? Like exactly. it can be yeah. enough if it's like literally just a expression of joy and like <laughs> and like a way just to like have fun. Like I said, like literally my your middle school dance. I don't know. You know that made me think of the Macarena. 
and how yeah. in like the early 90s everyone was doing the macarena it had like a com- didn't it come from a commercial i actually have no idea but like i think it came iconic. from a commercial and i don't know and like or more recently how like the savage dance or like different tiktok dances like everyone does them and just kind of how that's a way that it unites us as like people and cultures that we're able to like all join together and in this like it. dance. Yeah. And like yeah. all do it together, even though we're separate. Like that's actually just kind of a cool concept to think about. So many ways I've like realized, wow, like my whole philosophy on music and I never connected it to dance until literally this moment when you said that. Yeah. So cool. And everyone go watch Footloose again. I don't know. I'm just feeling that. <laughs> And if you want to know a fun fact about Footloose, my dad is actually an extra in the original with Kevin Bacon. So, wow, that's so random. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, if you want to look for a guy in a green jacket with a mullet, it's my dad. (laughs) I really like that I know that. Every time I think about like dance being outlawed, I think of that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, I always thought it was the stupidest premise for a musical, but like now after this research, maybe there's something to it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that and all of that. I don't know, music. I like didn't really know where that episode was going to go, truthfully, but happy with what we were able to discover with like learning about dance and like, like I said, just like how it's like so intrinsically a part of all of our lives. So I agree. I like want to go do like a thesis project. <laughs> I know. That's why I've like never been more inspired to learn more about dance in my life. So. I know. This is really cool. So I hope all of you were inspired as well. Yeah. And if you are a new listener, quick shout out to our Instagram. That's just more than a muse podcast. Pretty easy to find. A cool thing about our Instagram is we often kind of continue our episodes there, whether that's with showing pictures or like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we did a bracket after we talked about our pop album releases. So it can be a fun way to learn more about the episodes and, um, you know, engage with just other forms of art, especially since we talk so much about visual art here. And then if you're a new fan or a longtime fan of the podcast, definitely subscribe, leave us a review. We do know that people have been finding us via Apple Podcasts. And so it just helps us grow if this podcast has reviews for other people to trust. So do that and that would be the best. And then, oh my gosh, one more thing. So many announcements is we have like an ongoing giveaway. If you post your Instagram story, a screenshot of our podcast, your favorite episode, the weekly episode, whatever, just tag us in it so we can see it. Um, You'll be entered into our monthly giveaway to win our book of the month. This month, book of the month is is Women Artists. The Linda Nochlin reader. Yes, which I have been making my way through. It is hefty, but oh, it, is it has been interesting. But it's and beautiful it's, too. And if like you're in, if you want to know about women in arts, like I feel like it's like a great starting point. <laughs> it is. So anyways, share it on your stories. Tag us. You could be entered to win it. And thank you so much for being here and listening. And we appreciate you all so much thank you for being here and we'll be back next week okay round two name something that's not boring 
laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.